Put your hand inside, put your hand inside the puppet head. Throw the nanobots. Throw the nanobots. Throw them in the crowd. Everybody wants to rock to and a piece of string around. All time water. I never thought. I never thought. For everyone with dollar signs in his eyes, there must be hundreds that look at you as if you're some kind of rhythm section water. Baby, check this out. I've got something to say. Man, it's so loud in here. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song by song podcast about. The greatest band of all time. That's right. They might be giants. And today I've got an old friend here named Steve Clark. And uh, Steve and I will be talking about the song I've Got a Fang off of the album Mink Car. Listening white, triangular tooth. Open up a can of tomato juice. I've got a fang. I've got a fang. I've got a fang. Girlfriend took me to meet her dad. Didn't like me because I look so bad. Alright, just a little... Editor's note, that being me, I do everything. I'm adding this in much after this episode was recorded because I just wanted to give a thanks to everyone who has paid attention to the pod since it was released last week. We really appreciate everyone that has subscribed, downloaded, streamed, etc. Uh, lots of people have given us nice uh, ratings on iTunes. We have a perfect five going right now, which is amazing. Uh, we've had great Twitter engagement so far. Uh, we're almost up to 100 followers on there, which, I mean, for the pod only being live for a week, that's pretty cool. We have like 125 likes on Facebook. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Uh, and we've been getting some emails. Our email is this might be a pod at gmail.com. We got an email from Derek, and Derek, I'll read a little bit of this. Derek says, thanks for making this podcast. I didn't know this was missing from my life, and here it is. Flood and John Henry were really important records to me. They're examples of accidental good taste in an age, 12, question mark, when I was listening to a lot of stuff that didn't hold up. And he talked about, he gets into the end of the tour, our song from last week, when you started interpreting the lyrics and got into, quote, doing a metaphor but taking it literally, which I believe is David's uh, genius uh, concept, I got super excited and wanted to chime in. It's such a hard concept to articulate, but love that it exists. I knew exactly what you were talking about. If I had been sitting there, I would have said, yeah, I think this is just a tour hookup song. The line about getting in an accident could be real or metaphorical, but he's singing about meeting someone on tour having a brief romance, and then thinking ahead that it might be over when the tour ends. Maybe they'll go on, maybe they won't. There's still so much touring to do, but the end is inevitable. That, or this song, could be a meeting uh, about meeting someone at a tour stop, having a connection, still needing to move on to the other shows, 
wondering if there is something more there and if you'll ever see each other again. Lyrics are weird like that, so many possible interpretations. That is true, Derek, and that's what makes this podcast, that's what gives it legs. I mean, They Might Be Giants have so many songs, but each one has a lot to talk about. And Derek finishes with saying, I love the idea, the format, and re-examining something I hadn't in too long. Thanks. Uh, Thank you, Derek, for writing in. Uh, If anyone else would like to send us their thoughts as well, it's, like I said, this might be a pod at gmail.com. Our voicemail number is 224-801-2930. And we got a nice message from Spencer uh, in the Chicagoland area. So I'm going to play a chunk of that. Hey guys, uh, my name is Spencer. I heard about your podcast, uh, I think it was last night, scrolling through Reddit and saw that somebody had posted about your podcast there on the uh, They Might Be Giants subreddit. And so, of course, I instantly subscribed since I am a big fan of them. Um, I just finished listening to your first episode. Great job. Obviously, lots of tangents, but there's a lot to talk about with these guys. Uh, of course, after listening to the episode, I was inspired to go ahead and listen to the song again a couple of times, which I haven't heard in a while. And I did notice something about the music that I never really consciously thought of before, um, which was that every you know few measures or bars, um, every once in a while, the music style seems to change uh, somewhat drastically, which I thought was kind of an interesting choice. Um, that's not something that you usually see, um, and that. Um, that part where you mentioned the, the, the drums and the distorted guitars come in, um, I think that really only happens once. There's a couple other points where um, it's just this really like heavy rhythm that's sort of in that similar style, but mostly that, that distorted guitar thing just happened just for a brief period of time, which was, uh, again, just kind of a cool uh, cool choice by them. And then um, the, uh, the quote-unquote guitar solo part uh kind of near the end is just a really weird awesome they might be giants fun way to play with music i mean it's it's not a typical guitar solo it's just got weird rhythms and weird weird tones uh and i just thought that was that was great i just love those guys what they do with their music and their lyrics has always uh just been a favorite of mine uh looking forward to your future episodes uh great job and uh, thanks. So thanks again, Spencer, for uh, giving us your thoughts and another peek behind the curtain. Uh, Spencer and I got to uh, texting, which you can also do over the voice number. And Spencer's going to be a guest on a future episode. It might be a little while, but he proved to me that he knows his stuff with MIP Giants and he is a fan worthy of guesting on the pod. So, hey, if you contact us, it might be you guesting next. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can call us at that Google number uh, and leave a message, and I could play it just like that one, 224-801-2930. And now, back to your regularly scheduled program, I've Got a Fang. Girlfriend took me to meet her mom. Her head exploded like an atom bomb. What is up? Maximus, a.k.a. Steve. Uh, you have a million million nicknames, and we'll be sure to fill this episode with all sorts of in-jokes. Uh, how's it going, dude? <laughs> uh, it's going good. I prefer Stefan Maximilian Clark. Um, 
that's what I'm going by these days. Uh, no, it's going good. Sure, 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 sweet. So, uh, first thing, before we get into the song, I wanted to talk about, um, since I have different co-hosts on so many of these episodes, finding out about uh, each person's history with the band. Uh, when and how did you get into They Might Be Giants? Well, I think you know the answer to this very well, Jake. <laughs> Tell the people <laughs> how I forced them upon you. <laughs> uh, that's exactly <laughs> um, the correct way of putting it. Uh, <laughs> basically, they would be... Uh, uh, I don't know if they made it into one of your mixed tapes from high school, uh, but definitely by the time we got to Augustana for college, we were uh, definitely in heavy rotation on the stereo for They Might Be Giants. Um, I remember um, vaguely uh, being introduced to some of their songs when we, we were playing in our band, but um, that was only uh, from Patrick and uh, the song New York City uh, that we covered. Yes, Patrick Mooney, I will be doing some episodes with him. He's already signed up for a couple songs. Um, and I would credit him as one of the people that uh, got me into They Might Be Giants. Um, so, yeah, between me and him, you know, hanging around with us, that uh, definitely exposed you to the band. Though the f- very first time... Um, Tiny Tunes. The very first time, exactly. Yep, and I talked about this with one of my other... Uh, host on an episode I recorded. Um, this seems to be a way that a lot of people of our generation were first exposed to they might be giants and whether they knew it was them or they, you know, gotten to them legitimately later. Um, a lot of kids heard they might be giants on those Istanbul and, uh, particle man, uh, cartoons. Right. They were great. And I, I will show them to, uh, my elementary music classes on occasion and they kids still think it's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I remember, I believe the particle man one had, uh, had quite a, uh, interesting, uh, wrestling match as uh, the conceit of the cartoon. And yeah. Istanbul, I don't remember as well. Um, uh, it shows the, um, I mean, that one basically has like cartoon versions of the band. Well, it's more like, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the pig. You know, they all had different names. Like it wasn't Porky Pig. It was something else. But he was like copyright infringement pig. No, this was all Warner Brothers. It was just like it was like, I don't know if it was supposed to be their kids or what. Right. (laughs) You know, like Daffy Duck was Plucky Duck. And uh, so Plucky Duck was the John Linnell. He had like the John Linnell hair and he's wearing like a turtleneck. (laughs) And then the whatever the Porky Pig kid's name was uh, Flansburg and was wearing glasses. And and uh, yeah, so it was them like riding around on a camel and, uh, and yes. like robbing, robbing some evil guy of his like gold or something. I don't know. <laughs> as as one must do. Yeah, evil doers, uh, You must relieve them of their treasure. Yes. And so it was set in uh, Istanbul. <laughs> not Constantinople. Not Constantinople. Uh okay, so yeah, you you us living together for four years in college definitely exposed you to a lot of They Might Be Giants. And um so you got into them during their full band era. Um, definitely. which right, which started in ninety four, so like around when we were uh starting high school. 
And so they were firmly into the full band era by the time you were really hearing a lot of them. So as those new albums were coming out, like Mink Carr, which um, I've Got a Fang is on, uh, they had the full band on Mink Carr. They had the band of Dan's. Every (laughs) member of their live band was named Dan. That's that's a lot of Dan's. Yeah. Uh, Dan Miller was their lead guitarist. Dan Weinkoff was their bass player. And Dan Hickey was their drummer. Uh, Miller and Weinkoff are still the lead guitarist and bassist. Um, Dan Hickey is no longer with the band, though he was on a... Um, I'd have to check how many albums he was on. Yeah. Now, one of the things... Danny Weinkoff, the bass player, gets shafted on this song because... The the bass part is very prominent in the mix. This very buzzy, yeah, uh, bass that's way it's very hot in the mix. He is not the guy that plays that on the bass on this song. Um, I don't know that. I don't know if it was recorded before the proper album sessions or what. Um, and we'll talk about that demo uh, version of this. But uh, it's a guy named. It's a guy named Guy, actually. Guy Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> not not Guy. <Gee. laughs> uh, well, you know, I'd have to check. But Guy <laughs> Pratt, Pratt or Guy, like, yeah, I don't know if it's Guillermo or what, but he played bass on I've Got a Fang, and I'm looking him up, and he has played with Pink Floyd after Roger Waters left, that, left the band, and he's played with Roxy Music. So uh, pretty big. I mean, I'd never heard of him, but he's a guy who's worked with big name groups, so that's kind of a... He sounds like kind of a big deal. Yeah, right? So, yeah, you are a bassist. So I imagine you're a pretty big fan of the bass being so prominent in this song. I am. Uh, it's almost too much power. Um, it <laughs> sounds like they took a uh, they took an overdrive and a muff pedal and then cranked them both to 11 and then stuck it into a, basically an 8-speakered monstrosity <laughs> that just pumps out nothing but fuzzy, distorted goodness. Um, it's a, it's a, the, how do I want to say that? It's a very, very powerful bass lick. Yeah. It's, it's almost kind of hard to tell if there's, there's like these kind of trebly ringing guitar chords, but the bass, like once the bass kicks in, it's like, you can barely tell there's any guitar in there. It's like the bass and then that crazy keyboard. <laughs> yeah, until we get to the goofy sax solo in the middle, uh, I, it's essentially bass and driving drums. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think you may be right. I, I don't really even notice unless it's just sort of like in the background. I think the ringing notes are just basically the guitars used as a color instrument almost yeah, on this track. Yeah. yeah, just to fill it in. But that that bass line's pretty decent. <laughs> yeah. So the drums are super cool on this song too. It starts out with like this kind of like bebop, like very quick jazz ride cymbal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but then rather than going into like a jazzy swung thing, this huge rock beat comes in, but it's got that jazzy ride going over the top. Um so those were definitely played separately, which is a, a cool effect. Um, yeah. How many drummers do they normally work with? Cause when I saw them most recently, they had like three, <laughs> three <laughs> stuff back there. Three. So they had guys, uh, like playing auxiliary percussion and stuff like that. Well, it was, um, the guy that was doing all their wins, um, was also doing auxiliary percussion yes. and they had one guy on a kit and they had another guy doing percussion stuff. If memory serves. 
Yeah. Well, maybe since they were closer to, you know, you saw them in, so you live in Washington, D.C., and mm-hmm. they're from uh, Brooklyn, so they're closer to their home base. I don't know. Did they have other people? Because when I saw them, it was just the normal four plus the horn guy who did do some percussion. Were there more people on stage than that when you saw them? Um, maybe I'm confusing them with the other band I just saw there. Um, I thought there was six people on stage, but I mm. could be mistaken. Yeah, their drummer right now is Marty, uh, Marty Beller, and he's been with them since Join Us, maybe? Um, I'd have to check on that. So he's been with the band at least a decade, and it's it's funny because starting out as a duo, I mean, they went to full band in 1994, um, going to a fleshed-out band. The two Dans have been with them for almost twenty years, and they're still kind of like considered like the new guys. You know, they're not <laughs> they're not OG TMBG. You know? Well, and it's in my opinion, that's a I, I don't at me people, but uh, in my opinion, their sound is much better with the full band era. But uh-huh. I don't know if that's a matter of some controversy, but um, I just think uh, just the. Because they, they do have creative, they get a lot of mileage out of the uh, orchestrations they do, just the two of them um, on that old stuff. But it's just, um, you're sort of, they, it's interesting to hear the old stuff because it's amazing what they do with the limitations of just being a two-man band. But once they added the guitars and the dr- live drums, um, it's, it just uh, really opened up their sound and... I I love the records from this era. Yeah, I'm very curious to hear, um, having so many different co-hosts throughout this podcast, I've only recorded one episode before this, um, and David Britton, a guy I knew from Bloomington, he he considers They Might Be Giants um, his favorite band as well, and I I believe he said uh, Factory Showroom was his favorite album, which I think you might say the same that i correct? do yeah yeah so full band albums the second full band uh album they did um and i i feel like maybe people who got into them like right off the bat or in the 80s or the early 90s um and people that actually got into them like when flood was new they may have had some sort of problem you know the sound changing when they went to full band um but it it seems like as as I'm asking people to pick songs um, to do podcasts about, I'm getting more people picking full band songs than from the duo era. I mean, there's a lot of tracks already claimed from Flood. Um, I mean, it's their best selling album. So some of the people that are on uh, the episodes um, are less familiar with the band. And I, I wanted to talk to some people with that were less familiar with the band to get their takes on it. Um, but uh, other than flood, like I barely got anybody picking stuff from the first two albums. And I thought for sure, like tons of those would get scooped up right away. Well, and it's, there's certainly all their like iconic songs are the ones that people know as they might be giant songs are mostly from the duo era. Uh, your Particle Man's, your Istanbul's, your those those tracks. Um, but these um, these records, Factory Showroom especially, is just an amazing record. Um, just the sound they get 
from um, I mean, as from an engineering perspective, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, but that record sounds great. Oh yeah, for sure. The everything, the drums sound huge, but not overpowering. Um, the guitars, um, the clean guitar and the distortion guitar are excellently blended, and it's 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 a really great sounding record. And it's not. I don't think it's loudness to death. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely pre loudness wars, and I don't think they've ever been a part of that whole thing. Um, yeah, because it's basically you can turn up the volume and it still sounds great. <laughs> you know? Yeah, if yeah. You want it louder? You turn the, <clears throat> the volume up. Right. If Factory Showroom, they were definitely settling into being a full band. John Henry. Um, I'm not as big a fan of the production. I love the songs, but Factory Showroom was a huge step up in as far as even getting the other musicians in on the arrangements, let alone the the production. So then Mink Carr, um, we're supposed to be talking about I've Got a Fang. Would you say that uh, yeah. <laughs> Mink Carr is your second favorite album? I mean, it was one that you were exposed to by me a lot because it came out while we were in college. Um, I like it fine. Um, but no. Fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, where would it uh, fall in your rankings of, uh, in, uh, I, I don't do that so much. Um, it's just in terms of how often it. I listen to it. Uh-huh. Uh, and I essentially, um, they have so many records. So yeah. <laughs> it's, there's, uh, Minkar I barely ever listened to, uh, since college. Cause it's probably cause I just, uh, you know, we had, uh, we we had it on rotation pretty heavily, oh, yeah. um, but you know occasionally um, I my listening habits have you know been largely affected by the streaming era. Uh, and sure. Basically, I I you know it's more of a playlist based thing. So I'm I'm not really a get the record out and hit push play. Right. It's, uh, um, it'll come up in a playlist every now and again. A track from Minkar. Although, uh, Hovering Sombrero is a fun little song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I still rank Minkar pretty highly um, yeah. in their list of albums. But yeah, so many albums. Like saying it's like, I don't know, my seventh favorite of album of theirs makes it sound like I don't like it. But that's that's pretty high. They've got, uh, are there 20 albums? I'm trying to remember like if you count like kids' albums or not. And uh, it's, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> a lot of albums, yes. And they've been doing this for 30 years. And, well, I guess and each album tends to try and do different things. Um, I always thought Mink Carr was more on the experimental side. Yeah, there's a big, like, they've always been eclectic, and that's why I love them. Right. Um, and that this this song in particular, like, some really heavy, some of the most rocking songs, like Cyclops Rock is a great one. Then they've got Man, It's So Loud in Here, which is essentially like a techno dance house kind of song. Right. Um, Mr. Excitement has some kind of hip-hop elements. They've got some folky ones like Drink. Um, The song Older is a very unique one. Oh, Um, that's a good song. I I always forget that's on that record. And and dude, wicked little critter. I mean, come on. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> to have the check, and have the check is used, used and, and abused. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, wicked little critter. <laughs> I should make my sister be on an episode now that she's uh, living in the Boston. Now she's area. a Bostonian. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think the nice thing, the reason I love Factory Showroom so much is uh, it's, it's a very accessible record. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just chock-a-block full of good songs. But uh, this sure. record, I think, uh, I've Got a Fang is my favorite song off this record. And I think it grabbed me because it's just unapologetically goofy. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the lyrics. Uh, the lyrics are amazing, and I, <laughs> for the life of me, can't figure out what the hell the song is about unless you take it literally. And I always it's, have. And I've read some things, and it's like you know, you you can drop that Simpsons sound bite in here. Of, oh, I'm well, I certainly it. wouldn't have old Chompa here. <laughs> Gummy that's, Joe, because <laughs> he opens up a can with his tooth. Right. I thought that was like a direct line from that to the song. And Gummy Joe, where would you be without that dental plan? I wouldn't have old Chomper here, that's for sure. <laughs> so I, was, I did a little digging on the lyrics because uh, I looked them up and I was like, is it is really two thirds of the lyrics are I've got a fang? Pretty and much. the and the intro hook, like the glistening white triangular tooth opened up a can of tomato juice. That's like almost all the lyrics except for two this, short like, verses. Yeah, two short verses. Um, what always struck me about this song is uh, the story he's telling is has almost no information. <laughs> <laughs> Just about being introduced to his girlfriend's parents. Right, but separately. So what's going on there? <laughs> Her parents have split up, yeah. So. <laughs> it seems to be. Uh, it's, that sounds. It sounds like to me like two trips because at first... Right. The dad reacts, you know, coldly, but, but, you know, he didn't like me reason. because I looked so bad. Yeah. He doesn't like, him. he doesn't say he punched me in the face because I looked so bad. He says he didn't like, him. okay, cool. But, uh, the mom, well, her head exploded like an atom bomb. And, uh, that's. But you're just you're not coming back from that. <laughs> so her mom is dead. <laughs> We're taking this literally. He yes. killed he killed his girlfriend's mom. Essentially, yes, yes, by or manslaughter or at least. Yeah. Well, no, I mean you can't you can't help having a glistening white triangular tooth. Um, <laughs> Could have gone to the dentist, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, you can fix it. So I, I did some digging on this on the lyrics, and it's funny because everybody else, most people are like. I think it's just a goofy song. Yeah. And, you know, you will see pages upon pages of, um, what is it, Spiraling Shape uh-huh. had, like, so many, like, it was like, dude, it's about Windows 9 to 5. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like, technology in the modern world, dude, it's making us go crazy. And there was, like, there was, like, so much you could almost smell the pot through the internet while you were reading <laughs> on some of these other songs. I, I think it's just pure nerddom on, on the, they might be giants breeds, uh, obsessive yeah. nerdy fans like myself who don't do drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But, uh, it was, but it was like, man, if you look at the dollar bill a certain way type vibe for a lot of the tracks. Um, but for the, <laughs> for this one, it's just like, uh, he kind of has a snaggle tooth in real life, so maybe that's it. What? They're talking about John Linnell's teeth. Yeah, 
That was one of the theories. The other one was that it's sort of about uh, immutable characteristics and individuality and like mm. societal expectations around that. But I don't know about that. The only two people judging this guy are the parents of his girlfriend. Um, yeah, yeah. Looking, yeah, along those lines. Looking at, uh, I've really been getting into the. They might be giants wiki, uh, tmbw.net, and it's got interpretations on there, and some of them are pretty hilarious. Yeah, someone was talking about how they think it might, like, he's like a goth kid or something, because sometimes they'll, like, you know, ha- they'll wear fangs or, like, file their teeth. Like, people do all kinds of weird shit. Yeah, and uh, it was, uh, maybe it's a cosmetic triangular tooth. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well,. <laughs> Also on the They Might Be Giants wiki, um, Linnell has said that the song um, was partly inspired by Fang Face, which was a yeah. cartoon uh, that aired in 1978 to 1980, um, created by the people that did Scooby-Doo. So, Greg, um, that's a little before my time. I did see that uh, bit of info as well. Uh, are you familiar with Fang Face? No. I mean, now that looking at a picture of him, he looks like, I don't know, he's a he's a wolf, I suppose, with one giant fang right in the middle. Uh, and the cartoon character does look kind of familiar, though I don't remember seeing the actual cartoon. But this is, uh, I mean, I've always pictured the person, you know, in the in the song being, you know, a human being. But the fang looks exactly as I had pictured. Like, I'm not picturing a person with like, you know, where our canines are off to the side. I'm not picturing like an off to the side thing. I always pictured a one Smack dab in the middle. right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> now, does this character now I, I'm not familiar with Fang faces catalog. Um, <laughs> so uh, he, he doesn't, I, I don't know that that IMDB page is particularly fleshed out for that character. Uh, but does he open up a tom- can of tomato juice? <laughs> uh, on occasion? Yeah, I'm looking at Wikipedia. Um, so, okay, Fang Face features four teenagers, buff and handsome leader Biff, his brainy and beautiful dusky-skinned girlfriend Kim, short, stocky, and pugnacious Pugsy, and tall, skinny simpleton Sherman Fangs, Fangsworth. <laughs> <laughs> The the latter of whom transforms into a wildly whirling werewolf named Fangface. So So there's like this crew. Yes. So, yes. Very much a knockoff of their own. It's a dog with four kids. It. Well, it's. it's, Whose descriptions even match. Like the Scooby Doo. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, when Fangface. So this, this guy. Sherman Fangsworth when he sees the full moon, <laughs> a full moon or a picture of the moon or anything resembling the moon. Uh, like t- a plate? <laughs> it, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh no, a volleyball. <laughs> he, t- <laughs> he turns into Fangface. Uh, Fangface has one large fang in the middle of his upper jaw, which protrudes over his lower lip. He has brown fur with tan paws, muzzle, and a lupine tail tip. Uh, the four kids drive around in a sleek convertible dune buggy called the Wolf Buggy and catch crooks and solve crimes. Doesn't say anything about him using his tooth as like a utility Swiss Army uh, knife. See, I, I think that's an opportunity missed if they didn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <sighs> hey, those those pop top cans are were not available in the seventies. I don't 
think. I think you had to use yeah. a can opener still. Right. That's why, you know, those can openers, a standard can opener will still have a manual can opener. will have that pointy side. You know, it has a flat side and then has a pointy side. So as you, you know, crank the thing up on the edge, you know, it will poke a triangle into the lid. So, um, so we need to, uh, do an ancillary podcast, I think on old, uh, household technology from the seventies and eighties. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's the next place we need to go. Yeah. You remember when everyone had automatic can openers where you put the thing in there and it twisted around mechanically to open it. Why did people have those? I mean, how lazy are we? It's kind of yeah. like the microwave era, except it. Well, I have <laughs> one that has a better magnet than your your average bear. Wait, like, you still have one? Yeah. Oh wow. Well, it it was it came with um it was free. Uh, someone. <laughs> well, <there you> go. <laughs> but uh, we have a manual one and a uh, a magnetic one for your like um, uh, bigger stuff because uh, it holds on to it better. Um, but it has a little magnet and just goes around. Yeah. Huh. But I'd say it's about 20 year old. It's like a 20 year old contraption, but yes, it is a sign of pure decadent Roman emperor, emperor laziness. I, I could see elderly people like who have arthritis and stuff having a need for that. Yeah. Um, um but the other, the, the reason I use it is it's just the, the, uh, I don't know, can opener parts t- terminology. Uh, but the pointy thing is sharper on the automatic one. Yeah. 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 The st- you know, the stabbing part, the stabbing part. Yes. <laughs> We're going to edit this out. All right. I need to, Oh no, this is, this is TMBP a podcast all about can openers. Um, so <laughs> I need to, I need to read to you, uh, from Fang face. I just, Scrolling down the Wikipedia, the opening title narration. I'm going to read this to you verbatim. Are you, you okay over there? Yeah, give me one second. Yep. All right, go ahead. Are you opening up a can of tomato juice? Uh, yes. Yeah. So here we go. Every 400 years, a baby werewolf is born into the Fangsworth family. And so when the moon shined on little Sherman Fangsworth, he changed into Fangface, a werewolf. Only the sun can change him back to normal. And so little Fangs grew up and teamed up with three daring teenagers, Kim, Biff, and Pugsy. And together they find danger, excitement, and adventure. Who can save the day? Who can wrong the rights and right the wrongs? None other than Fangface. Wow. Wrong the right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe he gets into trouble. He causes some Does mischief. he, like, oh, wait, so he does both. Um, so does he, like, go to a police station while an interrogation is taking place of some murderer and just, like, open kill the, the jail cells? <laughs> kill the cops and get all the back. <laughs> it's like, time to wrong some rights. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, so here's another weird thing I found on the They Might Be Giants wiki. Uh, Under the trivia and info section, this isn't even in, like, the user's, like, interpretations thing. It says the song seems to be based on melody bits and pieces from the village people tune, I Am What I Am. Now, I'm going to play a little, I'm going to drop a little clip in here. Okay. Because I got to get your opinion on this, because I don't think, I'm, I'm not hearing it at all. What I am, 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 what I am,
right to share just what we feel. The right to the free will. I did not choose the way I, I am. I said I am what I am. I've got a fang. It's a disco song, obviously, but I'm not hearing it at all. And and also, the melody of "I've Got a Fang" is not really the important part of the song. It doesn't have much of a melody at all, really. It's like the verses are one note, glistening. Yeah, I can't. I can't get it. I have my internet's down. Oh, that's fine. Um, and then the melody in the chorus is like. I don't know, three notes. I've got a fang. Yeah. I've got a fang. I've got a fang. Actually, two notes. There's two notes. Yeah. How can you say something that simple is ripping off another tune that also happens only of two notes in the melody? I mean, I don't, I'm not hearing it at all, but, uh, <laughs> what's that? Not, two notes do not a village people melody make. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not hearing that at all. And it's weird that it may be like, maybe it does. The official, yeah, a melody could be just two notes, but like yeah. comparing two things like that, like it's one thing to have like, you know, Marvin Gaye's estate suing Robin Thicke for blurred lines. I mean, it's like an, such an obvious rip of the oh, yeah. beat and the chord progression and the vibe of it, like everything about it. But this is like, they are two drastically different songs. <laughs> and just because the, like the rhythm of the lyrics happens to be similar, like, uh, okay, they chose some. There are some syllabic similarities in the words they chose. I, I'm not hearing it at all. So you'll have to I can't think of later. a different way to. I think the cadence of those words is kind of has to be what it is. So, because yeah. I mean, when you say I've got, like, there's almost. He doesn't say, like, I've got a thing or anything like that, because nobody says it that way. When you say, I've got to go to the bathroom or, like, I've got a. I've got a. I've got a gun in my purse. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> right. You don't say I've got, you know, it's like that cadence is the way you say those words. I mean, he does enunciate a little bit more in, you know, in the chorus, especially the third line. I've got a fang. Another interesting yeah. thing pointed out in the, uh, the user section is how he enunciates each of the three words counting. I've is, is one word. How he says, I've got a fang, I've got a fang, I've got a fang. So like <laughs> he, he takes turns like accenting each of the three words in the chorus, which is right. Interesting. And are any of those uh, rhythmically similar to uh, the what band was it? The Village People? Village People. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't hearing it at all. Yeah. Not at all. Well, I'm going to act like I heard the song, and I agree with you, Greg. <laughs> it is totally correct that they're yep. not at all similar. I'm always correct when it comes to the MAP Giants' opinions. Um, my opinions are fact. Uh, <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> so I love one of my favorite things about this song is how many styles it crams into one thing. I was talking about how it's got the jazzy ride symbol, it's got the huge rock section with. Driving drums kind of a and, bebop and breakdown, right? It's got well, I'd call it more of like a hip hop breakdown. I yeah. mean, then it goes back into the bebop thing with this like what has to be an improvised sax solo. Like it's so kind of lazily swerving around. Mm-hmm. Um, very interesting. And they might be giants love saxophones. I believe it was Linnell's first instrument was the sax. Um, 
And he played oh, sax. He's into it. He played sax on on a lot of their early stuff. Uh, I think they're mostly of studio guys now, but um, the saxes in this song are amazing. I love the arrangement. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. love the explosion after the Adam Bomb line. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, our old band, Blue Bottle, everybody. We had a running joke during our uh, recording of one of our albums that we were going to sample an explosion in every song on the album. It didn't end up making it into any of the songs, let alone all the songs. But. Well, my favorite part about that anecdote is that we were, we asked one of the engineers, um, I, th- I think he was, Brett. was it one of the guys in Cougars at the time? Or is yeah, it, it was probably Brett. Yeah. Yeah, it was probably Brett. And we asked him if we could cut in some sound clips because he was, we were recording to tape. Um, right. And he said, yeah, but don't be one of those guys who's like, Hey, can you sample in an explosion here? And we and there was a moment where we all looked yes. at each other like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, he was the one that brought up the explosion, and then we kind of well, no, it. we had definitely brought it up before, okay. and there was a moment of collective dream dashing happening <laughs> right in there. Or so, because I remember, I think I either looked at you or Brandon, and it was like, oh, <laughs> our dream of explosions. <laughs> our dreams of uh, every song containing an explosion uh, wow. definitely were dashed. Um, so, so okay. So, continuing on from what I was saying about the the different styles, the bebop, the rock, the hip hop part, uh, I found just just this morning. I found the demo version of this song that was released. Uh, they might be Giants Unlimited, which I don't think they have that service going. It was kind of like a fan club kind of thing. I think like That's only weird. certain people were getting these tracks, but they're now all over YouTube. Of course, like everything is, <laughs> um, did you get a chance to listen to the demo? Uh, I didn't. I listened to the James K. Polk one instead. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The, the demo version, uh, let me just drop that in right here. Listening wide, triangular tooth, open up a can of tomato juice. I've got a fang, I've got a fang, I've got a fang. The demo version has no jazzy ride symbol has no hip-hop breakdown. It is just that rock beat the entire way through. And the song, the vocal delivery is about is about the same. The lyrics are all the same. Uh, I don't think there's any saxophone in it. Um, but yeah, it takes out a lot of the interesting arrangement elements. And I wouldn't say it makes the song boring, but it's a lot less interesting. I mean, the vocals yeah. and lyrics are still super cool. Um, but yeah, it's just like a rock song all the way through. And the bass yeah. isn't as distorted, so it's just like kind of standard rock, They Might Be Giants kind of rock song. Yeah, and uh, that's, uh, I mean, what makes the song for me is the basically just, it goes from, uh, you know, it starts off with these ringing guitar chords and then just crazy <laughs> driving uh drum and bass and then 
it just stops off and that ride that um that um is it on the hi-hat or the ride oh it's on the ride yeah so that ride thing is just going over the the lyrics as they're introduced and that that's there's so many layers on such a you know what does it have like 10 separate lines in it like that are not repeated um and that's it it's it's like um you could you could write this all of this song on the back of a postcard, um, with room to spare. Oh, yeah. uh, so it's it's for a song that relies on repetition. It's got a lot going on musically. Yeah, the drop to that hip hop section, like where he says, oh, "I've got a fang," and then it like digitally just like drops down, blah, 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 <laughs> dips down, and then like the That's sub the name bass. Of that yeah, and then the sub bass kicks in like that. I remember the first time I heard it, just I was like, "Holy shit!" Like it was the first time they might be giants has ever really incorporated. Like, I mean, they, they've pulled so many styles into their stuff over the years, but like to really like harness that hip hop production and go all in with the huge boom, I was like, "Holy shit, it's amazing!" And the demo, it just doesn't have any of that. It just like keeps on going. So the repetition of the lyrics kind of is is mirrored by repetition in the music, and it just kind of like yeah, it, it makes this like two and a half minute song seem too long. Well, sometimes I'm glad they went to the lab and fixed that shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, the uh, well, when I saw them live, they they did a I don't know how long they've been doing this cover, but they did a cover of Destiny's Child. <laughs> Yeah, they did that when I saw them too. Yeah, and it was great. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're great at covering songs, and you and I are going to talk about uh, the, their cover of New York City on a different episode. Yeah. Um, but did did you hear on the uh, the AV Club uh, songs undercover when they did Jumba Wumba? I get knocked down. Yes, yes, <laughs> so great. And they had like the whole Onion Crew in there <laughs> singing along. That, that glorious song. A great covering songs, yeah. That song was everywhere when we were in high school. Yeah, and so on that note, I could not find any covers of this song. You know, I found a guy like playing bass along with it. Like they'll call it like bass cover. I'm like, you just playing you just playing the bass line over the original is not a cover. That's not a cover. Just like look at look at me, I can play the bass part. It is a no. Cool there's bass part, an but... entire genre of that on yep. YouTube. Yeah. Because um, it's like I I Google like um, I had to learn some part for some song I was covering like a couple years ago, and it just said bass cover. I'm like, you're playing along. You're like that's not what a cover is. Why is that worth putting up on YouTube? You know, I don't understand. Uh, I mean, I saw a couple guys do Maxwell Murder. Um, nice. And so showing okay. off. Yeah, yeah, that's just showing off. But I mean, it's a good trick. Uh, so sure. I, I can't play that shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, but uh, you did a good, a good journey to the end of East Bay, though. Yeah. Well, you know, that's 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 more my speed. Uh, but yeah, he does like Matt Freeman is a beast. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, the bass line in this song is super cool. But yeah, I was hoping to find a cover, and this would be a very ambitious song to cover just because it's got, it's already got so much weird stuff going on. Like, what could you possibly do? Like, you could make it into a straightforward rock song, but then it would Why? lose so much of its, its, 
yeah. what's, what's special about it. And then if you try to make it weirder, like where could you go? Like there's, <laughs> there's, so, yeah. there's so much weird stuff going on already. How do you best them in the weirdness department? I don't think there's really any place to go because I'm trying to imagine like doing like a country cover. There's not enough lyrics to really do like a hip hop cover unless you wanted to write some more. Um, Flesh out the narrative that that could be fun. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's narratively sparse, but evocative. Um, It gets the imagination going. Yeah. Um, There's uh, I don't know. Girlfriend took me to meet my, her grandma. Uh, What would you rhyme with grandma? She <laughs> she knocked out my fang with a hammer. <laughs> a hammer. Hammer time. <laughs> you know. Oh, man. <laughs> That's just off the top of my head. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. Uh, okay, so um, is there anything else you wanted to discuss about with I've Got a Fang? I'm looking at, we're definitely over my half hour uh, limit, which I have a feeling will happen with every episode. Yes. Um, and whatever. That's fine. Uh, anything, anything else you wanted to, uh, you got on your mind with the, um, just, just, uh, the weird, uh, just the way the song rolls together. It's, you know, we've, I think we've covered a lot of it. Um, I think it's just an interesting example of how they can do something. Just that band can move in and out of genres seamlessly and between records and there's not a lot of things they can't do um and make a great song so this is this is basically like what you would see it's kind of an art rock type piece yeah where they just you know it's it's got a very almost dada set of lyrics Mm. um it it creates the lyrics evoke a very clear image that is absurd (laughs) <laughs> but it's clear as day when you listen to the song. And so it's, it's, it's like, it's like, um, it, when I was, I remember studying Ezra pound back in the day, yeah. this is not, he, he wrote uh, a two line poem, um, that was about, uh, in a station at the Metro. And the title was part of the poem because the poem's two lines long. Hmm. And there was some like weirdo story that it took like, an outrageously long time to compose this two line poem. And it's, it's, I I think I remember the whole thing. It's like the apparition of these faces in the crowd petals on a wet black bow. And that's the whole thing. But this, I've got a fang is (laughs) I've got a fang (laughs) describes the fang and what happens because of the fang in four lines. And, And it's just, and it's like, but it's in my mind's eye. I see this motherfucker with Fang and I see his mom's head exploding like an atom bomb. <laughs> her mom's head. And, yeah. Yeah. Her mom's head. That's right. Um, pronouns are a bear, but it's, it's an amazing example of just a clear as day image. That's just ludicrous. And, but you know, it's, it's clear and it's got a heck of a track behind it. And the, uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm wondering if this song started out. I, I've heard they might be giants talk about in interviews talk about nouns, how they try to like dip really deep into the well to find nouns that they've never like based the song around. So, Fang, 
I mean, that'd be a good one. On the same album, they also have a song called Bangs, which is a fantastic song. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, she, so Linnell's just like, uh, Fang. Hmm, we never had a song about, uh, fangs how about just like a, a, a human guy that just has like one big fang <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then you write an amazing song around it i mean yeah your inspiration is just like what's a word we haven't sung about fangs yes <laughs> it's a good one uh, yeah that that's an interesting thing to think about that the song resulted in large part due to it being uh f day on the pick a noun we haven't said before in a song Good stuff. So, so the last bit, and I didn't even warn you about this, the last bit of the podcast, I'm going to make you score this song. I've got a thing. Now, uh, the way we're going to do it, since they might be giants, are very scientific and mathematical guys, you know, they, they appreciate um, that kind of thing. We are going to use, you can use either um, decimals or fractions. So, for example, uh, well, let, let me let me just score it. I'll show you. So, 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 I've got a fang. Is a great song. I love it. It's one of my favorites on this album. Um, I don't know where it would rank amongst all their songs for me, but I would give it. I'm gonna give it, and I'm gonna give it eight and one third as the score. Eight, eight and, and one third. third. So this gives you more wiggle room rather than just going eight or nine or a perfect ten. Out of ten, I'm going to give it eight and one third. Hmm. What do you think you would give this? Well, um, I think in terms of I I love the I love everything about it. So <laughs> I would say it's not a perfect song. I don't think it's not, uh, but I mean it. They nail what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, so in execution, I think they did it perfectly. Um, so so they got high marks for that. It's an intensely listenable song, even though it's weird. Um, yeah, it's not it's not grating. It is melodic. Right. So it's got it, and the song definitely goes somewhere. It's definitely has this weird interlude in the middle of it with that saxophone. Uh, mm-hmm. you know? Right. But it's a, pr- it's pretty brief. So even if you're like, Oh, saxophone noodling, like then it's over. Yeah. But I, I like that part. Like a lot. Me too. So, yeah. um, I would give it, um, so since we have a lot of wiggle room for units of measurement, mm-hmm. I'm going to give it nine and fruit loop. So just a touch over nine. <laughs> All right. Yeah. See, I, I've I've got to think in the long term here. Like, how many songs am I going to give like a perfect ten? Exactly. And I, and I like using being able to use fractions. I could say like, oh, this gets like a nine and seven eighths. So then I could be like, and okay, I, I no. think it's it's. I don't think it's like a a a perfect composition in terms of if you define it by is this going to be on most people's top ten? Probably not. Oh yeah, actually. Because they have a thirty, they have a thirty-year career. They have all these records. This isn't one of their most accessible tracks, but I think it's kick-ass track. So I do too. But it gets shafted on the wiki. Uh, so I actually just created an account, so you can you can rank, you can give songs a score, 
this song out of okay, so that they have eight hundred and seventy five songs listed on the site, but this includes so for my count, I made a huge spreadsheet of their album songs, EPs, B sides, and came up with around four hundred and fifty, which is a lot of fucking songs. This site includes uh, demos and like alternate versions doesn't include live versions but if it's been released in any form it includes all of those so that upped the number quite a bit um because a lot of these have had dial a song versions and such um but this song out of 875 is ranked 574 so low i buy it though i buy it because it's i think people i can see people skipping this one yeah yeah it's a shame such a good song yeah no, I it's think, a great song. I think we ought to sick uh, this guy and his fang on them. Yeah, uh, well, he's got some uh, he's got some wrongs to right and some rights to wrong. So <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so, All right, get, so get uh, Fangington <laughs> McSilver Spoon or whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah, what was it? Hold on, let me find out. What's his name? Sherman Fangsworth <laughs> should go and and murder those guys with his fang or make their head explode like an atom bomb. I think with the, even though it was only a four hundred year gap between uh, werewolf spawn, <laughs> I th- think I think Sherman Fangsworth should have seen it coming. <laughs> All right, and with that, I think uh, we'll sign off. Thanks for being on. This might be a podcast, Steve. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. <laughs> you too. I've got a fan. I've got a fang